My name is Chris McDaniel. Welcome to our daily podcast. It's so good to be with you today. I'm going to read Psalm 80, and then we're going to pray and spend just a little bit of time here at the beginning of our day looking for truth and comfort in God's Word. The poet says, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by Pluck its fruit. The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, this stock that your right hand planted. They burned it with fire. They've cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one who you made strong for yourself, and then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask for truth and comfort in the word of God today. We pray, God, that you would give us a way to think about the cycle of growth and loss and redemption. And I pray, God, that as we think about that cycle, that we would be able to see our own story in this story, our own life in this poem, and that we would... Uh, live uh, bravely as a result of what we see from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, life is a, is a cycle. It's a cycle of uh, birth and growth, loss and restoration. And that's what we see here in this psalm. And we're just going to walk right through it and try to ask the Lord for grace to see what we can see. Because I think there's something true here. The psalmist begins by saying, uh, Lord, you have fed us uh, with the bread of tears. And I just love the imagery there because no one would want to eat food soaked in tears. Um, And that's exactly what the poet puts in front of us. He's being really honest about uh, loss and pain and sorrow. And it just reminds me when I read things like that in the Bible that it does you and me no good to pretend when we're hurting. Uh, that the best and most real thing to do is acknowledge our loss and our grief when we experience it. And it's one of the reasons why I love and am so grateful for the Jewish root ball of our Christian faith, because our Jewish family teach us how to be honest. The book of Psalms is so full of honest, real praying when we're hurting, a kind of lamentation ability that frankly we're not very good at in our modern Western culture. We tend to pretend, we tend to fake it, and the Jews give us permission. And a a psalm like this one actually gives us real permission to acknowledge uh, pain. And I also love the fact that the the psalmist um, begins to kind of give language to the sense of shame that he feels as he walks through loss and pain. He says, my enemies are laughing about the hurt in my life. And I don't know about you, but I know there are times in my life and and even recent memory here where I feel mocked by my own circumstances. I mean, we may not have a person down the street laughing and mocking, but 
it's easy to feel mocked by your job insecurity or economic fears. It's easy to feel mocked by uh, fragility and vulnerability in our bodies as our health fails us. Um, there's a real sense in which life mocks us when we feel loss and hurt and sorrow. And what the psalmist does here is gives language to it uh, to say when we're hurting. And it's tempting when we're hurting to want to give up. And so the, the first thing we sit with here is that God uh, gives us permission to give voice to our pain. The second one is the, the psalmist says when we feel pain and even mocked by our circumstances, rather than quit, we're meant to cry out for restoration. When we're fed up with the pain, we're invited to cry out to God. We're invited to call upon God and ask him to help us and to heal us. And if you're anything like me, it takes a long time before I'm willing to cry out to God because I try to solve my problems on my own strength or we tend to want to check out, numb out, you know, do things that distract us, feel sorry for ourselves. There are so many ways where we get stuck, but we're not meant to remain stuck. We're not meant to either give up or to check out. We're meant to call out for the light of God's face to shine on us. And I love the language here in this poem, the, the, the psalmist says, let your face shine that we may be saved. What he's effectively saying is I'm going to be in the dark looking for the light. As I sit in the nighttime, I'm going to remember and hope for the sunrise. And I believe there's a sense in which that's probably where lots of us are right now. We're sitting in the dark and we're trying to decide if we're going to be willing to hope for the sun to rise again. I believe that we are emphatically called as people of faith, as Christians, to cultivate a response of hope even as we sit in the dark. We're called to look for restoration even as we admit our pain. And that leads me to the third thing. Restoration begins in a very particular way. The poet actually gives us a way to think about restoration. And y'all, this is a, a really important thing for us to consider. So the, the third thing we need to see here is that restoration always begins with remembering and rehearsing what God has done in the past. So what he actually says is this, you brought God a vine out of Egypt. So what is the poet doing? He's saying effectively, I'm sitting in a place where I need restoration again, but it's dark outside. So I'm going to look back and remember a time, God, when you did something that I knew was good so that I can remember that you are good. Y'all, we tend to have a bit of amnesia when we're in seasons and cycles of hurt. And so what the poet's doing here is saying, if you long for restoration, remember a time when you saw God do something good in your life. And so the poet looks back into the Jewish story. And I think that's maybe telling uh, because there's no question that this writer was not alive when the Jews experienced the exodus, when they left Egyptian bondage and slavery. But he lays claim to the bigger story as being a part of his story. He's included in that which actually predates him chronologically. So he claims the, the Exodus as his story. And I would say to you that you need to look back. I need to look back at God's past deliverances. But if I can't find any in my own life, because maybe I'm so distressed, it's so upside down, I'm so disoriented, then I look back at the broader story of the Christian church and the family of God. I look to the scripture effectively to say, God, you've done things in the past. And I love the picture here of um, the Lord digging up a vine that was living in Egypt. And we all know Egypt represents uh, bondage, addiction, slavery, uh, being displaced and oppressed. 
And the Lord here is uh, stirring a memory in the poet to say, even in a place that was bad, you did something good, God. So he thinks about this vine and the vine is then dug up and brought back home. And then it's cleared the ground around it. It's rooted, it grows, and it becomes this huge thing. So remember, the poet is in a bad place, but he's remembering a time when God did something really big and really good, something that grew and established. And I think for you and me, when we're in seasons of darkness, we need to look back and remember. The first way to hope for restoration is to look back, to remember your story and the story of the people of God. And then the next thing we see here is after looking back, I'm then able to face my current struggle and the current darkness around me with a new kind of hope. So the poet says, turn again, O God of hosts. I remembered what you did in the past. Now I'm saying, turn again, look down from heaven and see and have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. Do you see how this orients us? It's meant to orient you. I remember what you've done. Therefore, I have a place to stand as I face my current circumstances. We have to tend to this because pain makes us forget. It brings about a kind of amnesia in me. I've heard people speak of this in the counseling world as uh, the sleep of grief, that when I'm hurting or you're hurting, we tend to kind of go to sleep in our souls. This is why we must remember with great intentionality, remembering the kindness and the faithfulness of God in the past anchors me in the midst of today's storm. And when I remember, I'm then able to turn and face the hurt with hope. I'm able to look back and say, God, you did it then, you can do it again. Life can and does emerge out of the ashes of adversity if we are people who are able to remember and then turn and face our current circumstances. This is how the psalm ends. The next thing we see here is then, after we have faced our circumstances with our eyes wide open to the reality of how dark it is, we can cry, God, do good things again. You see the full circle in this? There's a sense of renewal and restoration at the end. One of the prevailing images of the whole Bible is this idea that God renews and restores. In the coming months, I think the Lord is stirring in my own heart to launch a new initiative that's going to be designed to explore themes of renewal in a more comprehensive way. It'll probably be a, a separate podcast thread, and I'm just really excited. I feel God's really pressing this theme of renewal and restoration into my own soul. Um, but y'all here, renewal begins with a plea. God, have regard for this vine. God, remember what you did in days gone by and do it again. And y'all, I believe that that needs to be increasingly the cry of our heart. God, do it again. God, do good things in me again. Toward the end, the psalmist says, effectively, loss is real. Pain is real. Let your hand in this moment of real hurt be on us to make us strong, give us life, keep us close. And I believe that there's a, a, a real pattern here that if we rush to try to like hope for a good future without remembering, without being honest about our hurt, without following this progression, then our, our cry for restoration will feel tinny and, and hollow. But if we will have our eyes wide open, anchored in hope, facing the darkness, I believe that there's a kind of power that can emerge an authenticity to our cry for hope and restoration. My mind has been going back to a particular verse in the Bible a lot actually late, lately from Habakkuk 3 verse 2. And so I'm going to leave you with this. The prophet says, O Lord, I have heard of your renown 
And I stand in awe, O Lord, of your work. In our own time, revive it. In our own time, make it known. In wrath, may you remember mercy. May it be so again, O God. I believe the Lord wants to do new things, good things in you. So let's acknowledge the past and ask for hope. And then authentically cry out for God to do a new thing. Amen.